somewhere over the horizon, in a place unlike any other. Hi, Mrs. Kwan. I'll be back in a couple of hours. Conrad and Sally Walden were inside listening to a few rules from their mother. No video games, no fighting, no answering the phone, city morgue, and absolutely no one sets foot in the living room or else. But today, while she's away, someone special will show them how to play. Who are you? Who? Me? Why, I'm the cat in the hat. Hairball. Phenometer? That measures how fun you are. You guys are both out of whack. You're a control freak, and you're a rule breaker. So what do we do? Mom says we're not allowed to listen to Come on, kids, you know you want to. Stop this right now! The fish is talking. But is he saying anything? No, not really. See, kids, I told you we could have fun! <laughs> now, no opening the crate. They're on a magical journey. Wicked cool. Let the 12-year-old drive! Oh, yeah! This is awesome! <laughs> Where you'll find fun. <laughs> is there a cat in here? And adventure around every corner. Get ready to experience the ultimate game of Cat and House. The mother of all messes. Mike Myers. <laughs> we need to clean this mess up. I'll try. You don't try, you do. Yes, ma'am. The Cat in the Hat. Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We're part of the Main Damien Network, and to find more from us, check out the website at themaindamien.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at themaindamien. We're also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation, and you can find them at gvnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio, and with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, everybody. Hello. Uh... For those of you out there that have seen this movie, I cannot confirm or deny this is how real estate really works Okay. in this movie. This, this is better. 100% all about real estate in yep. the town of Anvil. Yep. Um, yeah. That's what this whole movie's about. It's all about... Oh, or, oh, I'm supposed to watch after the first five minutes? I think you were watching... <laughs> did you watch another... Like, did you watch Alec Baldwin and Glen Gary, Glenn Ross? Was? was that the movie you were watching? Oh... Uh, sorry Mark, guys, I'm gonna yeah. tap out for this one. Where he also gets covered in purple goop, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's the, that that famous part in Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. <laughs> the yeah. purple goop part. Purple yeah. Have Tim and Oscar. They teach Always be closing splat, and then yeah. <laughs> he I said the magic word. <laughs> yeah. Oh wait, no, that's uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse, right? That's an interesting mashup. <laughs> Glengarry Glenn Ross and Pee Wee Herman. Glengarry Glenn Pee Wee. <laughs> or like you can't yeah. do this on television. What, what, what's that? What you yeah, Mark? Do you know is. what yeah, you can't yeah. do this on the television is? Well, that's uh, Alanis Morissette's debut. There you American go. Television. That doesn't answer the question. No. So you know <laughs> the slime from Nickelodeon, right? The green slime. This is right. the sketch show from like the late '80s, early '90s that like originated that slime. It was a Canadian TV show that yeah. knew that Nickelodeon bought like the yep. rights to, and then early days of Nickelodeon they aired it. 
Oh. And anytime okay. someone said, I don't know, they, they would get slimed. Hmm. I, I did not know Nickelodeon... Slime! Didn't, yeah, I didn't know Nickelodeon <laughs> didn't invent slime. Mm-hmm. That's kind of where it originated from. But well, that has nothing to do with this episode. Slimer yeah. invented slime. So we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna get into it. We're not okay. gonna get into it because we got a lot to talk about, and hopefully it doesn't take us too long because this movie sucked so hard. Sucked. Yes. Uh, Big this past week, the trailer foot, for the six Cats cat musical. <laughs> the six the the trailer for Cat Cats the musical dropped uh, to a lot of what the fucks. So we decided to watch a m- movie about another six foot cat. Of course, we're talking about the 2003 live-action version of Dr. Seuss's The Cat in the Hat. Would it be safe yeah. to say that this could possibly be better than Cats? No. Uh, probably not, but yeah. maybe the cat the cat <laughs> effects are probably better? I don't know. I think, I think that is the only thing that The Cat in the Hat would have going for it over Cats the Musical, the movie. Is that what it's, is it called? Cats the Musical, the movie, or just Cats? I think it's just cats. Just cats. Okay. I gotta streamline it, obviously. Now I kind of uh, wish they just called it Cats the Musical the Movie. Like Street Fighter the Movie the Game? Yes. Perfect. That's a good one. <laughs> um, or like Precious based on the novel Sapphire by whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, either way, as long, yeah. I just I want long movie titles from now on. <laughs> you, you got Doctor Strange into the madness of the multiverse coming out, and then you know Spider Man into the Spider Verse and stuff like that. So I want long titles. I don't like short Doctor Strange two. Give me. I, I want as many words as you could fit on that screen. Once upon a time in Hollywood. That's pretty good. Well, it's not bad. Yeah. Well then. Then you would be very into if you looked up some Japanese fighting games. Could you give me one? This is the wrong podcast. Wrong Mark. podcast. Oh, that's wrong true. podcast. We're getting off on a tangent, you but guys, I feel like we, yeah, you're we all need over the to. Place. I feel like we need to because we're just trying to uh, delay the inevitable. Yeah, prolong <laughs> the pain or not, not? Yeah, delay the pain that we have to talk about with this movie. It's uh, I've seen this movie before, once before, because. They tricked me with How the Grinch Stole Christmas with Jim Carrey. And oh, you like that movie, don't you? I do like that movie. because, that... It, But it it, it has uh... the, the charm of the original movie. Of the It, it just it, it expands on it. So to me, it, has, it, it keeps in the spirit of Christmas. And Jim Carrey, I think he's pretty funny in that movie. Mm. And they tried to capture lightning in a bottle. And they failed spectacularly spectacularly there you there go you. yes, yeah. there yes. You go. <laughs> uh i will say one thing in that you're correct on um this Everything. movie only exists because of how the grinch stole christmas because that movie made a ton of money yes yes yeah. so, and... so they decided to try it again and it failed so hard the widow of dr seuss Forever banned Hollywood from ever making a live-action adaptation of his books ever again. Which is a shame, because I would have loved to have seen Danny DeVito in an orange costume. <laughs> it, they really messed up. It, I wish the Lorax had come out prior to the Cat in the Hat. And have Danny DeVito in there. Yeah, yeah. This is the big mustache and the like a, an orange gimp suit almost, you know? <laughs> so, Mark... Uh, 
kind of go off that. Yeah, Grinch who stole Christmas and this movie. Like, yeah. what's your opinions of it? I would probably be more likely to watch Grinch than this movie for sure. Um, just for the sheer fact that outside. If you say Gossip Girl. No, 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 <laughs> no, because I honestly think that's the um, only reason uh, she got cast in that because I could see Dakota Fanning turn down that role um, and thought, oh, I made a mistake. Let me do Cat in a Hat. Uh, is that that movie, like Dan mentioned, at least has a plot, you know, and follows along with that story. Um, granted, I haven't read the Cat in a Hat in a long time. <laughs> no. It's not, no. it's not like it's, it's not, not a book you revisit. Reading. No, no, I don't. I don't revisit it on a rainy day. You don't. You don't no. dust off that old uh, cat that, hat. Yeah, got it, got, uh, it, got it on your Kindle. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, I can, can you imagine someone doing that? You know, it's, it's there's nothing going on. It's a it's a <laughs> rainy day out, and they walk over to their nice bookshelf. And pull they pull out, yeah, pull out cat in the hat. <laughs> like, oh, they they look at it fondly. I, I, it, it's I like mean, it's like throwing on like Ghostbusters. Like, oh man, time to revisit. Time right. to revisit my favorite movie when I was a kid, Ghostbusters. Right. Toss that one in. And no one. I mean, it's been 16 years since this came out, right? 2003. Yeah. yeah. Right. Do you think anyone will, you know, maybe in another 10 years, this will be on TBS? Right. This is a total TBS movie. Yeah. You know, TBS, one o'clock in the afternoon. Do you think anyone will be flipping through and catching? Like, oh, man, one of my favorite Mike Myers movies, Cat in the Hat, and just kind of sit back and relax and just be, and everything is going to be okay in the world with this person. <laughs> Do you think that you think there will be someone like that? Uh, you know what I can envision is Mike Myers flipping through his TV, coming across TBS, and this movie comes on and just hurling a bottle of scotch at it. <laughs> <laughs> now there's there's a specific point where i feel like he really gave up on this movie and maybe kind of gave up on acting because after this it, this movie really hurt him he yeah. wasn't in too much after i mean he did his shrek movies after this right like the sequels yeah um apparently he was not pleasant on set because he was he hated this movie from like the go the word go I think he out the gate. Yeah, I think he, according to, I could just read. While Mike Myers' bad behavior on set was widely reported, it was later revealed that he was contractually obligated to act in this movie. He disagreed with the script and the direction the movie was taking, and tried to get out of his contract. Universal sued him for 3.8 million dollars. He countersued. They reached a settlement where he agreed to make another film with the studio. This movie and his next one, The Love Guru, did so badly at the box office that he only acted sporadically afterwards, mostly mm-hmm. in voiceover. And, and bit parts, right? Because he mm-hmm. shows up in Glorious Bastards. Yep. Uh, man, what a fall from grace. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he was he was like a hot commodity in Hollywood. Well, he kind of was. He just he was he, big. He did three Austin Powers movies that made a lot of money. People, you know, I I really enjoy the first two. People. Also love the third one. I don't know who those people are, but they should be found and uh, shot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it, it's but there is one point where my wife was watching and she goes, "Is that Austin Powers?" And I bet you know which part it was. Was it the uh, the amazing uh, the amazing discoveries parody? Yeah, the cupcakes, right? The yeah. amazing appliances or whatever. 
I mean, he does his. It's not a Mike Myers movie unless there's a Scottish accent in it. Yep. He's. I think that's in his contract. I, yeah. I, I, at one point, I get to do this. Yeah. Uh, I I hated this movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's loud, obnoxious. Mm-hmm. There is not a single likable character in this movie. Maybe the mom, but she's got a terrible. Her boyfriend is terrible, so she's probably. She's a little guilty by association. And she's not... And she, she's, she's not very smart. But she, she also has not enough character to say, right. oh, yeah, I like her. She's not she's not unlikable, but that doesn't make her... That's not... But by default, that doesn't make her likable. She's just there. Right. <laughs> she's And I think, really, she's just... She's good-looking. And that's yeah. her character trait. Yeah. Well, she's a good-looking mom. But... There, there's something this is one of the i wrote notes for this one that's oh, how wow. bad this mm-hmm. that's how bad this movie was guys yeah i, I to, mean usually you don't even finish movies no no this, I, one but this one's doable this one was uh lengthwise it's doable it's i think it's only an hour and a half short. yeah yeah so it, it wasn't too bad uh at one point my tablet died and i thought that was you know like wow this is great you <laughs> I'm, this is the only time anyone's ever happy to have one of their mobile devices die. <laughs> so I was like, oh, wow, nice. This is a nice little reprieve while I charge it back up. But the, the mom early on in this film is at her breaking point, right? Yep. You know, she's yelling at the phone. She's yelling at her kids. And I, I wanted to see the version of this movie where she snaps and just, like, murders her kids. Mm-hmm. And I think that would have been infinitely more impressive and entertaining than what we got in the final product yeah i think a lot of this movie can be chalked up to the fact that these kids have grown up without a father especially the son he's unruly uh his daughter has reacted in a way that now she's trying to control every aspect of her life she's Mm -hmm. gone in that direction uh the mom is a single mom trying to put food on the table the kids are latchkey kids Having to baby leave them with a narcoleptic babysitter, um, it's really a shame. It's really a shame. <laughs> well, the kids, the kids are uh, well, definitely uh, Conrad. Conrad's a shithead. Yeah. So I wanted bad things to happen to him throughout the whole movie, <laughs> and when they didn't, it's even even Dakota Fanning's character. What it's uh, I, I just wrote down Dakota Fanning because Sally. I just know Sally. Sally. I just know her as Dakota Fanning. They're, they try to fit in a subplot with her, mm-hmm. and it's such a bad choice. It's right? not. It's not developed enough. I think you. Right. There. There can be a story there, but it's not. The. It's not developed enough. There's no. There's no lesson really learned. Nope. Like they try. They try and say that there's a lesson that was learned, but by all this. Um, I think the lesson more than anything is don't let a fucking cat, a giant cat into the mm. house. That's really the lesson I learned. It's like if there's a giant talking cat at your front door, don't let him in. Um, the, the supposed, the supposed, um, lesson is that you can have fun, but there's a limit to it. Right. You have to, you have to be responsible yeah. with your fun, which, yeah, they, they, they wrap it up real quick. Mm-hmm. They go, yeah, there's the lesson. Now I got to go. And then they try to make the cat seem like he was an endearing character. Right. He was awful. (laughs) You know what? It reminds me of Leonard Nimoy in the Simpsons episode. (laughs) My my job here is done. (laughs) He didn't do anything. 
Didn't, Didn't I? I. <laughs> <laughs> um, this movie is directed by Bo Welch, whose first and only film he's ever directed. Before this, he's a production designer, and he's a pretty successful production designer. Uh, besides all three Men in Black films, he's also a production designer on The Lost Boys, Ghostbusters 2, Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice, Batman Returns, and the first Thor film. Wow. He's also known as the husband to Catherine O'Hara. From Beetlejuice. Okay. From Beetlejuice. Oh, okay. That's, see, that's impressive because I wrote down that I thought the set pieces are kind of an eyesore in this movie. Mm-hmm. You're just getting loud, it's, loud colors, and it's very pur- it's either purple or green. Yep. Uh, it's very Tim Burton-esque. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, bright really. Tim Burton. Like uh, Edward Scissorhands-ish, like outside. Um, very cartoony. Yeah, um, like overly, like obnoxiously large. You know, there's like a giant hammer with, with nails on, on the hardware store and a, a giant fish. So it, it did remind me of a Tim Burton-esque yeah. film. This movie has an IMDb rating of 3.9, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 9%. Also nominated for eight Razzies, winning one for worst excuse for an actual movie. <laughs> Ooh. This, it only won one because this was also the same year that Gili and From Justin oh, to Kelly were released. And this this beat those? Only in that one. Okay. Those were yeah. the other uh, two highly nominated films that year. Yeah, Only so one of those was wrongly nominated. So it was a box office of 101 million against a budget of 109. So just <laughs> Did you like me out. just going right past you? <laughs> it stars Mike Myers as the Cat in the Hat, Spencer Breslin, Dakota Fanning, Alec Baldwin, uh, Kelly Preston, who we've also covered in Gotti. So this is her second time on the podcast, and Sean Hayes. And. This was just one more. This was the writing team. It was Alec Berg, Jeff Schaefer, and David Mandel, um, who were Seinfeld writers. And Alec Berg created the TV show Barry. Jeff Schaefer created the TV show The League. And David Mandel is writing credits on Veep, SNL, Clerks, the TV series, and Curb Your Enthusiasm. They also all directed Eurotrip. So they, they were able to escape this shit show and go on to much better things. Absolutely. No, good for them. I didn't think anyone would be able to really do anything after this. Rich white men always get a second chance. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on. But, but and then, Dakota Fanning. <laughs> Dakota Fanning. Matt and, Spencer Breslin. And, and, and moved on to Abigail. Yeah, pass it to his sister. Well, if we're, then we're going to say Alec Baldwin as well then. right? The Alec, Alec, it to Alec Baldwin, Baldwin has had a tough 16 years. Because, like, third first scene in this movie that he's in, it looks like, oh, man, that's handsome. Al- that's the handsome version of Alec Baldwin, you know? And then, like, uh, it's not far from that where he's just screaming at his daughter on the phone, calling her a gross little pig. <laughs> well, it, I, when, when I say that these, you know, these people went on to do better things, I mean, it's these are much better. You know, it, like, Veep mm-hmm. is, you know, an award-winning show barry is an award-winning show so it's not like they just went on to do something you know they produced or worked on a marvel movie or something along those lines but these are funny shows yeah so i commend them for bouncing back and in such an (laughs) impressive way yeah 
Mark, did you have anything that you were going to add? Sound like you were going to. No, essentially, really, of the actors, I'm trying to go through their IMDb quickly. I think the only one that escaped with any positive momentum after this would have been Dakota Fanning. Yeah, I mean, Alec Baldwin wound up on 30 Rock. 30 Rock. Yeah, but I meant movie-wise. Right, sure. Like, yeah. So it's kind of odd that it's, like, I was saying to you before the podcast, Ant, that I didn't, I forgot how, like, big of a movie this was in terms of as all the names started popping up on the credits in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah there this is, is, yeah. This uh, is a tent pole you know. film for Universal and yeah. DreamWorks. This is, uh, this is released right in the holiday season. They're trying to hit that Grinch money, which Grinch made about like one, two sixty seven, I think domestic. Yeah. yeah, it did well. I I saw it in the movie theaters. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it, it was just weird. Like thinking back on it. And then I thought, and then IMDb confirmed it. I was like, I don't know if many of them did much after this. Well, you know, you're also forgetting about a one Stephen Anthony Lawrence who went on to go into uh, kicking and screaming. Okay. Oh, you... are you talking about Beans from yep. Even Steven? <laughs> yes, that's that's right. I forgot he's in that. <laughs> yeah. Cheaper by the dozen, kicking and screaming. He was in Bubble Boy. I mean, come on, this guy's a legend. He is a legend. Um, oh. But he's a legend as Beans from Even Stevens. Have you seen pictures of him recently? Uh, he's jacked, isn't he? No, he's weird looking. He looks like Clint Howard, really. Who does make an appearance in here. <laughs> I was going to say, he does show up in this movie. You're thinking well. of Jonathan Lipnicki, who's jacked now. Jonathan Lipnicki? What is... Jerry Ooh. Maguire. Ooh. Oh, no. <laughs> Steven. <laughs> Steven, Steven, Steven. <laughs> you poor, poor man. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not a good looking guy by any stretch of the imagination, but my goodness. This is this is painful. <laughs> you did bring up a point that um, reinforced one of the good things that I liked about part of the movie with the, you know, the uh, director of photography, you yes. know, in this movie because I, I especially like the one shot when, you know, they have them sit down at the window and the framing of that shot. Just from my, I'm not a filmmaker or anything, mm-hmm. obviously, um, but that not job, that oh, attitude. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, that's actually pretty well done. The way they, you know, would, did that one shot. And then I wasn't surprised when you said, yeah, you know, um, he, has a, he has a pedigree. Yeah, this uh, this movie was shot by Emmanuel Lebeski, who is a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine time Academy Award nominee and a three time winner. Um, he was nominated for A Little Princess, Sleepy Hollow, The New World, Children of Men, Tree of Life, and won in three consecutive years for Gravity, Birdman, and The Revenant. Yeah. So he's uh he's a uh, he's got a little bit he's got a nice shelf going on with his trophies. It's crazy. There there's real legitimate talent behind this movie, and this is what came out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's an unpleasant experience. And, and this kind of seems, and we we know from earlier in the podcast where Anthony brought up how Myers was really against the script and the direction. This definitely feels like one of those movies that suffered from problems prior to shooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you ready to get into the plot? Uh, yeah. There's not much of one, so hopefully we'll go through this pretty quick. But I always say that. Yeah, let's, let's dive in. <laughs> Um, we open up City of Anvil. Um, we have a nice kind of 
Dr. Seuss uh, narrator speaking of it, uh, speaking of the town. We first find we find mom works at a real estate agents agency with germaphobic boss, Mr. Humberflube, played by Sean Hayes. And he is immediately my least favorite person in this movie. Yeah, I, I wrote yeah. down Sean Hayes equals hate him. <laughs> he's, Absolutely hate yeah. him. Yeah. And he's not in this movie for very long. Nope. Uh, he is the voice of the fish as well. But uh, um, right off the bat, this is our introduction to this this world, our, this universe, and we are introduced to one of the, easily one of the most hateable mo- people in this movie. So uh, not a great jump off point. Um, she's tasked with hosting the company by monthly meet and greet, and apparently the last time it did not go well because her children are uh, unsightly and dirty, uh, something that Mr. Humberflube does not like. She promises that it will be a spotless house. Then we cut to the house where both children are awful, but in opposite ways. Spencer Breslin plays Conrad, and he is needlessly destructive and loud. He just th- does crazy stunts in around the house, throws shit all over the place for no reason. And Sally is joyless and a tattletale. And yeah, I, I don't, right. I don't hate Sally in this movie. No, you know she's not. She's not hateable, but she's, she's not likable. She's annoying. Either. Yeah. But I like her because she goes out of her way to get Conrad in trouble. And since Conrad sucks, I'm okay with it. Yeah. I was like, Spencer, all right, well, it, it, it makes sense. Because that's what I would do if my sibling was a complete jerk. Yeah, he's shit. He's, yes, a, he's, he is. he's just an ass. He's like a little asshole. Yeah. And his... His uh, pranks or whatever, not not his pranks. His um, I just want to say his overall demeanor. It's 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 like the Simpson episode where where Bart says that his pranks are are not destructive. They're more just like hilarious hijinks or whatever. Yeah. That that's what Conrad is. Like he wants to be destructive. Yeah. For no reason. Conrad is a product of living in a house without a father figure. But he has everything. This house is a nice house. They have, mm-hmm. they live comfortably. So I don't understand what his problem is. Yeah, ba- based on Alec Baldwin's character's attitude towards the mother, I think her name is Joan. Yes. Um, I think she's better than well off, right? Yeah, she's the number one. Uh, what what is she? She real works for agent. real estate. Yeah, she he she's the number one real estate agent in the town. Yeah, because just because he's we we find out he you know he's pretending to be like this big, big businessman and he's sl- slick and everything basically everything that you would think in early 2000s Alec Baldwin would be okay. you know handsome and uh, it's got a nice car ni- nice suits and stuff and he's a sle- he winds up being a sleazebag he doesn't have a uh, he doesn't have a job he's being his stuff is being repossessed and. He's wearing a girdle to make him not look as fat as he is. Um, but that leads me to the and he's just trying to he's trying to get married to her so he can kind of get her riches, I guess, or share so, in her riches. So I guess she's pretty well off. The, now this part doesn't make sense to me because, like you said, he, when you first see him, he's dressed in a suit and a tie. Mm-hmm. He says he's getting ready to go to a business meeting, and then pretty much a few scenes later, we see him. He's wearing a girdle, like you said, and he's just a mess. You live next door to the guy. How do you not know this? Yeah. He can't he, hide it that well. 
Right. Yeah. It's it's a crazy turn too. It's just weird. Yeah. Right. It, it it makes no sense really. Yeah. Right. Because he so uh, Alec Baldwin's characters his his point is he wants to get rid of Conrad so he can be with the mother. Yep. Right. You don't need to make him a slob for that to happen. You could right. just keep him like a sleazy greaseball. Yeah. Like right? and it works just fine. Like the male version of the woman that's trying to marry Dennis Quaid and the Lindsay Lohan version of the parent trap. Right. Yeah. Just keep it that yeah, way. Just kind of be just kind of be an asshole. You know, Alec Baldwin's great at being an asshole because Alec Baldwin is an asshole in real yeah. life. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. just have him be in that sleaze bag, like, you know, smarmy charmer where he is, you know, then just keep the part where he's just always talking about military school. Right. Uh, yeah. If this wasn't a kid's movie, I think they would have leaned into that, but I think they uh, went with the turn to make it like, uh, to do this common, the simplest form of saying he's disgusting right you know that's true and i yeah i think it does play better to kids uh right because like you know he's picking his nose he's farting you know it's like oh that's funny if you're a kid i get it yeah if it was a rated r movie he would have went off and when the kids watch him he's supposed to go to the meeting when he would have ran across the street to the other neighbor right or if this was radio flyer he just would have beat the shit out of conrad yeah that's a different movie. Yeah, like, like there's the whole reason that turn happens is mainly, you know, because it is a kids movie. I guess Parent Traps a kids movie too, though. And mm-hmm. that woman didn't have to get fat. I didn't say right. it was a good kids movie. <laughs> right, it's it's done with a little more grace. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So the mom gets called back to the office for we're given no reason why she gets called back to the office. Uh. So she has to call up another babysitter. Mrs. Kwan shows up. And she is a narcoleptic, uh, elderly woman. She makes the kids watch Taiwanese Parliament, which is vaguely racist. And, and what's interesting to me in this totally fictional town, we still know that there's an actual real world out there. Yep. Right? Like Taiwan is there. I think they mentioned China at one point. Like uh, Philippines. The Philippines. Yeah, they, they mentioned the Philippines. So we know that. At least those countries exist. Yep. So that that's a weird choice, mm-hmm. right? And if we are to believe the cat, the Philippines exists in both worlds. That's true. That's right. Yeah, right. Because there's the, the like, multiverse. Yeah, the multiverse, the alternate dimension. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Kwan falls asleep, and then it starts to rain. The kids are bored because uh, they don't have anything in the house for some reason. And then the cat in the hat shows up. And he lets himself about... in. Yep. And in the book, I think they, I think he knocks and they allow him to come in. But this like he just shows up. Was, right. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> gotta be quick, Mark. Gotta be quick. I was literally saying it while you were saying and he just, you got it. You got to the end of the sentence. <laughs> um, so this leads to about five minutes or so of the kids screaming throughout the house. Um, Sorry about that. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, with Mike Myers doing his best Charles Nelson Riley impression. Uh, and that's that's the scene. That's the introduction to the cat in the hat. He comes yeah. in. Uh, he runs around the house. He sits on Mrs. Kwan, and then he tests the kid's funometer. Yeah. And it turns out that Sally is a control freak, and Conrad is a rule breaker. Although right. he's a bedwetter first. He's also a bedwetter. 
Yeah, I would. I, I, I would rather see the turn of Sally as a serial arcanist. Right. <laughs> how, how great this movie could have been so much better if they just kind of stuck with that. <laughs> now that's those are real problems. Yeah. That the cat right. in the hat should solve. Right. Yeah. Not, not a kid being a control freak. Yeah. She's a little this kid. Like, She'll no. grow out of it. Right. I want to know. I want to see the cat in the hat fix bedwetting problems. Right. And borderline sociopath <laughs> problems. And at this point, it's just like the cat in the hat is like the manic pixie dream girl in this movie. Yeah. He's trying. He's Jennifer Aniston trying to bring Bennett Stiller out of his shell. Well, first of all, that his design kind of it it doesn't make sense to me because you know in How the Grinch Stole Christmas, he's modeled after the Who's. Right, every yeah. all the Who's are dressed, or they look like chipmunks, pretty much, right? They look in the, like nightmares. Right, they don't look great. In in the Cat in the Hat, he's the only one who looks like a Dr. Seuss drawing. Well, he looks like a cat. But he's got the he's got the cat. He just had the nose. The nose. He's the nose, that nose. Yeah. Yeah. So, but no one else looks that way. I'm glad. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, hey, listen, I'm not going to tell you what should and shouldn't, what should and should not be. In a Dr. Seuss movie. The only thing... I'm like, a purist, all right? I'm a Dr. Seuss purist. I want my kids looking like freaks and my cat matching. That's I feel what I like, want. I feel like the kids in the Cat in the Hat book don't have weird faces, though. You, you know, I kind of lied. I don't remember what they look like, so I'm not really much of a Dr. <laughs> Seuss purist. Okay. Did I just call you on that one? You might have. And I'm not happy about it, but you know what? We're gonna we're gonna keep going on. Yeah, they've got normal faces. Um, yeah, I, I think the Who specifically have those faces in the book. I think they just have regular faces. Now that I'm I'm thinking about it, they they have just like a little little nose and yeah yeah I think they're just regular. But I but it's not whimsical. At least in in How the Grinch Stole Christmas, it's whimsical. Mm. It looks like it looks like. It, it it just looks like a Dr. Seuss book. This doesn't match that. Although to be on to be fair, you don't see anything other than the house in the Cat in the Hat. Yeah, the book that is. Sure. Yeah, I, I think the main difference, senior <laughs> thing about between those two movies is, um, for the Grinch, I think I'd be okay with the level of high I'd have to be to enjoy that movie fully. I don't think I want to get to the level that I need to be to enjoy Cat in the Hat. You can't. There, there's no, there's no real level, Mark, because I, there's nothing. Even on a good trip, you can't enjoy. Yeah. There's nothing to enjoy. The the jokes fall yeah. flat. Mike Myers says, "Oh yeah," way too many times. <laughs> and not I didn't even once notice like this. the Macho Man. <laughs> oh yeah, and kind of, part of me kind of thinks he did that to be a dick. Like, all right, Mark, Mark, come on, Mike, you, you don't have to keep saying that. I'm like, all right, well, now I found something that pissed them off. I'm just going to keep saying it just yeah. to be a dick. And I, I respect him for it. If that's the if that's the case. <laughs> it's powerful. Right. Oh, yeah. Seriously, Ant or or Mark, I both of you could do it. And the listeners at home, if you ever watched Cat in the Hat again, count how many times he says the phrase. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he gives the Kool-Aid man a run for his money. Right. I guess the Kool-Aid Man is sort of a similar situation to the Cat in the Hat, right? Kool-Aid Man always pops up when the kids are, like, bored at home. They have nothing to drink except for boring old water. Right. And boom, right through the, through, through the brick wall, Kool-Aid yeah, Man just, comes. 
destroying the house. Destroying which, the house. Yeah. Kool-Aid Man does not help you clean it up. No. That's true. He he kind of leaves you to fend for yourself. Yeah. All right, kids. Enjoy the juice. I'm out of here. <laughs> this flavored water. Oh, uh, man. You know, I, I, I wrote down, this is in the very beginning, when uh, Joan is, is hanging by a thread, and she says something to Conrad where, like, why can't you just be good? And Conrad says, I wish I had a different mom. I mean, at that point, if you're the mom, don't you just send him to military school? And yeah. I would. You devastate his life with her next line. Right. And I'm like, all right, well, pack your bags. You're off to, to uh, military school. Yeah, nope. She's... Nope. You tell him, sometimes I wish that was true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that is actually point. worse. <laughs> Lawrence has a point. Maybe, maybe military school would work out for this kid. It's not outside of the question. People have done it with their kids, and it's worked, right? I mean, I feel like there's been movies that have done that, right? They they send the kid away, and he comes back, and he he's he, he straightened up and fly right, essentially. Yeah, I think it's just that one episode of the of the Simpsons that we've seen. Oh, uh, right, Lisa's Secret War. Yep, the Secret War of Lisa Simpson. That's what it that's, is, right? That's the only thing that the only ref- frame of <laughs> reference we have for this. For those counting, that's our third Simpsons reference. Yeah, uh, so. it's pretty. It's pretty high. Usually we're like one. One. Yeah, maybe one and pretty a half. Good, pretty good some, average. We're one bringing of us up will, that average. One of us will sneak in a little line, and we don't really count it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, it's I, now. If I wanted to make this movie make a little more sense or be better, maybe have it where yeah, the mom decides I'm going to send you off to boarding school, not board, uh, military school. So now Conrad really has to learn a lesson and prove it to his mother at the end. Yeah. Right. Never really got the sense that she was ever going to send him to military school. Exactly. And so that if now if I'm Conrad, I could just that proves I can continue to be a shithead and get away with it. Yeah. Especially with uh, Lawrence out of the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so at this point, he realizes that these kids need help in the fun in the fun department. So he starts with a musical number that is long and ends with a lactose intolerance joke. And then all of a sudden, the fish starts talking, kind of being the the conscience of the kids, trying to tell them not to do not to let this cat in the house, or else bad things are going to happen. Uh, so with the the fish, there's a scene earlier in the movie where Conrad is being a dick and flicking the bowl. Mm-hmm. So uh, Sally tells Conrad, you know, don't bother the fish. So the fish is a normal goldfish at that point. Mm-hmm. At what point does he turn into a, a horrific CGI monster? I don't know. I guess, is it part of the cat's magic? No, because when the cat leaves, he's still, he's still a, CGI. He's still a fish. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's, uh, he's laying low. Yeah, did he activate his super secret powers? His yeah. goldfish powers. Maybe that's the reincarnated father. <gasps> oh. Ooh, we just struck gold. Yep. <laughs> the, the fish is their dad reincarnated. I like it. Now, mm. Well, because, yeah, because the, the fish in the book and in this movie is the, uh, what, what's the term? Is the voice of reason. Yep. Right? Like, oh, you shouldn't follow that cat. You shouldn't He's allow the moral him center. Right. Yep, that's, so, and that's, that is something that a father, a good father, would instill in their their kids. Yeah. It's the one thing missing in their lives. Yeah. The moral center, because the mom is out, 
having to be the breadwinner. Which is true because now I'm a terrible person because I don't have that moral center anymore, right? I'm off destroying things. So it makes total sense. You're the Conrad in both my my life and Mark's life. Exactly. I I was such a nice guy, and then bam, now I am evil. I am destructive for no reason, and I need my fish. Yeah, this is going to be the first episode of our new podcast that they call this an intervention. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, you really got to stop lighting cars on fire. (sighs) It's what I'm told. The voices in my head tell me to do. (laughs) Or maybe it's my wife telling me to do that. I'm not sure. She's pretty destructive, too. (laughs) So you guys are made for each other. Yeah, there's someone for everyone, right? Uh, so the cat then, uh, the cat makes the kids sign a contract for, for fun, I guess. Yeah. They guarantee, he guarantees them they're going to have fun. They sign it. And then the cat proceeds to mess up the house, starting with the couches. Um, you know, know, good old contract humor for the kids to enjoy. Right. All the, all the kids love contracts. Well, you know what? It was like. It was the early 2000s. You know, they had Senate meetings and Star Wars films. They had contract discussions and Cat in the Hat. And and embargoing. Yeah, that makes sense. Trade federations. (laughs) Right. Tariffs. Yeah. You got to teach the kids someday, right? Yeah. I mean, the schools aren't going to do it. (laughs) That's true. It's the moral obligation of Hollywood to teach kids about tariffs Contract negotiations and trade federation. That's right. So thank you, Hollywood. Early 2000s Hollywood, I should say. Yeah. Now it's we're we're back off the deep end. Now it's just guys hitting each other in the head with hammers. <laughs> 2000s Hollywood that let monsters roam free without <laughs> repercussions. <laughs> oh Jesus. Well, well, he's not wrong. <laughs> no. Uh, so the cat proceeds to mess with the house, starting with the couches. Uh, so one of his first impressions as a mechanic, which is just hilarious. Uh. <laughs> then segues right into the parody of the Amazing Discoveries guys. Uh, he he does have one part where I laughed. I, I not laughed, but I chuckled. He as soon as he arrives, he sees a picture of Joan, and he folds it out into like a centerfold. Right. And then we're like, who's this, you know, who's this hot, hot person or whatever? Oh, that's our mom. Awkward. Very awkward. Like, oh, all right, that's kind of funny. Yeah. I'll give it points for that. But that was, uh, that was the last time I, I ever laughed. Ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> Forever. Yep. <laughs> so there's no if, more laughing. If you go back in this podcast, you'll notice I have not laughed. Yep. Never <laughs> again. Nope. My, my, my laugh, my, I, I've lost my laugh. It's gone. Yeah. The cat in the hat broke it. The funometer would go off the charts for Dan right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The right? Uh, as long as I'm not a bedwetter. <laughs> the the infomercial thing was is a bit that could have worked, but him doing his ob- obligatory Scottish slash um you know English accent or whatever kind of ruined the scene. Well, at least it, for me. It could it could have worked ten years before this movie. Amazing right. Discoveries was like in a late 80s, early 90s infomercial. It's like, who is this playing to? Right. Like, it's like the this movie. One of the problems with this movie is that it does have like those kind of in, sexual innuendo, like those innuendo jokes that Dan, you know, mentioned with the centerfold thing, and then 
it's like it's trying to toe that line of be like you know a lot of successful kids movies will toe that line of like there's the jokes for the kids and then there's you know because the kid the parents have to watch these movies too they they right. success, successfully do these jokes for for parents and this movie i i think both sides of the jokes fall flat both the kids jokes and the um the parent joke the jokes for parents yeah i i don't know what kind of jokes they were really aiming for because you get some like borderline sexual jokes mm-hmm. right he has the dirty hoe joke in there at, at one point and it's like man that's really on the nose with that mm-hmm. that's like something that i would think of as a joke <laughs> yeah. and that's not good you don't want that you don't want dan aquino writing your jokes yeah, yeah. you the, want legit writers yeah, the the best way to tell if they toe that line successfully um i have two examples that i've seen in movies recently again i didn't see this in movies um uh, was in um, Into the Spider-Verse, whenever it would be a little more of an adult-leaning joke, you would just hear all the parents sort of chuckle and laugh, and then silence from the kids. And then and there's the whole part of the DMV thing in Zootopia, mm-hmm. where only the parents kind of get that joke, mm-hmm. and they love it. Right. And the kids are kind of like, oh, oh that's sloth's funny, huh? You know, but all the stuff leading up to that, you know, but if... Being able to do that is towing the line, but I don't know if going raunchy with uh, innuendos is the way to do that. It's right. more like take a slice of life from adult life as though the DMV and, you know, certain moments with the dad in, in Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. you know. You can still, you can, like like Mark is saying, you can tow the line, but in my opinion, the best way to judge if a adult joke works is if you can get both the adults and the kids to laugh. Because you, I, I know growing up, there was a lot of, you know, whether it be Simpsons or, like, uh, Married with Children that my father would watch. It, it, he would laugh so hard at some jokes that I would laugh. Because, like, oh, all right, that must be... F- I don't totally understand it, but that's really funny. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. So here, they don't have that. It's like, oh, you're a dirty hoe. And it's like, well, the kid's like, yeah, I, I guess that's... It's a dirty hoe, but I don't understand why that's funny. Yeah. And and then the parents would just be like, "That's so, that's so hack hack eyed hack hack hacky hacky yeah, it's so hacky. So why would I laugh at that? Right. Um. So then Lawrence shows up and completely changes his character to a beer swilling sandwich eating idiot. He's allergic to cats, so he starts to sneeze and leaves. At that point, the cupcakes explode. The cat uses the mom's dress to clean it up, and the cat, kids freak out. The cat says, not to worry. I'm going to clean up this mess, and I know the guys to do it. So he does a little song and introduces thing one and thing two to help clean the mom's dress, and they proceed to wreck the house completely. Uh, Dan Castellaneta voices the uh, the thing one or thing two. I think he, Maybe he does both. I think he does both. Yeah. But uh, so there's another Simpsons reference, I guess. Yep. Uh, the thing one and thing two might be the dumbest thing in this yeah. in this movie because he says he's going to help them and then he releases them and they just go on and destroy the house. They just fuck shit up. Yeah. yeah it really makes the, no sense. Well, it's because the things do the opposite of what you want them to do. 
Okay, so. But I guess so, he said, ask them to help clean, and they do the opposite, so they, they don't. The That's that, fucked up. Right. I, it's fucked up that Mark is on the same plane plane of morals as this movie is. <laughs> or he got that right immediately. Yeah. Yeah. So you see, to me, I think it would have been cooler or better to at least explain that at first. Because yeah, if they just come out and destroy things, it's like, well, why? What was the sure. point of that? Yeah, he and sort of just drops it casually a little later. Right. And they look horrifying. They've got the noses. Too. They've got the faces. But they not even the that. Faces. They they look like they look like marionette puppets. Yeah. Those are, and they look they have that soulless look in them. <laughs> and but they also they're that big Joker-esque grin. It's just the the perfect storm of scary. Like, real creepy. And this is for kids. If I was a kid, that would have freaked me out. Uh, well, in the melee of trying to get the Thing 1 and Thing 2 under control, Conrad unlocks the crate that the cat has, which he had told them specifically not to open. And the lock that was on the crate uh, gets put onto Conrad and Sally's dog's collar. Uh, what is the name of the dog? Nebby? Nevins. Nevins. Then the dog gets loose, and they have to find it. Um, So this sends them out of the house, and they chase the dog around the block. Lawrence, on the other side, he sees that the dog gets out, so he's going to try and get the dog and kind of show it as a proof to um, Joan that uh, the kids are unwildly, and uh, Conrad needs to go to uh military school so they chase the dog to another person uh, another neighbor and the girl's having a birthday party and sally realizes she wasn't invited to it and she's sad about that because why didn't she invite her because everybody else seems to be there now this is the part of the movie where i said in the beginning mm-hmm. where they try to put in this subplot yeah and it, it's just not earned it's not fleshed out enough to really yeah make an impact on the movie right it's i think it's something you lift out and it really doesn't make a difference i I think the problem is that there's no moment where she she gets it you know it's like yeah there's there's never that like she has she has to she has to make a choice between going back to her like making a choice between doing something that the old version of her would do or doing something that a person that isn't a control freak and is uh, someone that is willing to embrace fun would do. And then she makes that choice to do the fun thing. She never has that moment of this is, this is the, this is the lesson I'm learning is that sometimes Mm -hmm. you can make that choice. You don't always have to be that control freak. You make that choice to be fun. And while I guess you're supposed to say, Oh, well she had fun the whole day. Most of most part, this, day was a miserable day yeah and and i mean they both say that the day was fun but that's i think only a psychopath would say that was fun and or a serial arsonist or serial arsonist right (laughs) which she definitely was that funometer was right the first time uh i think it would have been cool to see the aftermath of their learning experience so maybe have sally go to her neighbor and say, hey, you can be the head chef this time. Because earlier in the movie, 
she says she's not friends with this girl anymore because she wanted to be the head chef and Sally is always the head chef. Yeah. So you can show that, yeah, she's grown, but you don't get that. It's just, yeah, we had a fun day. Roll yeah. credits. Yeah. Um, so the, they're in the, that person's yard, the birthday party yard, the birthday party goes outside, they hide, the cat pretends to be a pinata, and then the kids at the party don't understand the rules of pinata and just then proceed to beat cat in the hat unmercifully all together until Beans from Even Steven shows up and hits hits the pinata right in the crotch for some reason. (laughs) No. This is where I think my, uh, Mike Myers quit the movie because he gets hit in the balls. And the next scene is him swinging on a swing in a dress. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, to him, I thought to myself, if I were an actor, that would be my breaking point. <laughs> Not only are you in cat makeup, you're also in a dress. Right. Yeah, I think that's – and it's almost soulless in a way. You can see in his, his face, it's just there's really no joy there, even though he's smiling. Yeah, it's kind of a weird moment too. Um, like, what? Like, why does he think about that when he gets hit in the nuts? Obviously, it's he's going to his happy place, I guess. So he doesn't he doesn't think about the pain. But it is just <laughs> a weird moment. But like, they don't. They, he doesn't say I'm going to. Like, he doesn't brace himself. Like, I'm going to my happy place, and then boom. Right. It's just like I don't know. I don't know if a kid's gonna get like what what the motivation for that quick flash scene of him swinging on a swing in a dress was all about. It's very jarring. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, uh, happy Gilmore. <laughs> not, not good. Not well yeah. done. Um, so, uh, after that, meanwhile, they wanted the thing too, or abusing the elderly back at the house. Um, just kind of tossing around Mrs. Kwan and whatever is in the box, uh, that, uh, Conrad opened up is starting to get out. Um, Lawrence eventually catches up with the dog and he picks it up, puts it in his car and starts heading towards uh, Joan to show that he once again rescues the dog and the that Conrad needs to go to military school. They chase after him in the cat's car. Um, some nonsense goes on about uh, who's driving the car. All three of them at once are driving the car. Eventually they crash while they're in town. Um, then... They trick Lawrence into handing over the dog by posing as an animal rights activist. Then they... now, real quick with that, mm-hmm. Lawrence is allergic to cats. Yep. He doesn't sneeze in this scene when nope. he talks to uh, the cat in the hat. Right. So, movie, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Talk about an all-time goof. I hope someone got fired for that. That's <laughs> number four. Boom! <laughs> it's the only thing making this uh, passable, really. Yeah. So he hands over the dog and some hijinks and then they hide in an underground party. And here we get the best yeah. 2003 cameo of all time. None other than At Paris, Paris Hilton. Hilton. It's, I, I kind of just didn't care at this point. So I, I think I thought to myself, sure, why not? Yeah. This scene has no reason to be in this movie either. Nope. Yeah. He, they're in a raid. They, they go into a, I don't even know what you call it. Like, right. It's like a phone booth, kind of, or like a trash it's receptacle. Like, it's sort of like those stands, like you, mm-hmm. like where you would have, like, I guess, flyers alongside it. I don't really know. Almost like a, a pol- like, let's call it a police box. Let's just, mm. let's go Doctor Who on right. this. 
we'll, we'll say it's a TARDIS, part. right? Yeah. <laughs> Man, it was... So they go there, and there's a rave happening underneath. Yeah. And everyone's wearing, you know... Dr. Dr. Like, Seuss hats. Right. And the hat the, hats. Right, the red and white hat, striped hat. Why? That's never explained. Nope. No, and the cat in the hat doesn't know. The kids and it's like the middle of the it. afternoon, too. Why is right. there a rave going on? Right. The kids All these people it. have jobs? What's the economy of Anvil? Like, you know, what's the... I wonder if we have sort sort of like a demolition man thing going on here where the elite rule above and then the downtrodden and dirty people are, live below their sub dwellers, I guess. Do you, um, do you remember that? Sure. But so like, like it's Paris Hilton in the underground. She's a billionaire. That's true. But maybe not in Anvil. She seemed like she was still Paris. She, she literally seemed like, like she was playing herself. Like yeah. Paris Hilton had to stop over in Anvil and she found this cool, cool rave that was so hot. So <laughs> we can't say that now you owe her money. Now, maybe it's the, maybe it's the youth aren't allowed out or something i don't know i'm maybe, trying to make sense maybe that's of this. the military school or is, that... <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is it's uh it's it's just all day raves at the military school yeah. <sighs> I, i'm just i'm trying to make sense of it it's they, it's a scene you can lift right out of the movie and it's you'll be fine they they wanted to have paris hilton in this movie that's the whole reason it exists yeah. i wonder did she because i know she was a recording artist at one point do you think her record was released under Universal? Possible. Maybe. Because then that, that would you you easily, have a little cross-promotion. You could have easily made her the unseen babysitter that quits in the beginning. Right. That would have been better yeah. for her. It's Warner Brothers. Or maybe she just decided, I don't want any lines. Just I'm going to stand there. I'm going to look good. That's it. I don't want any lines. That's hot. That's hot. Yeah, she doesn't say anything though, right? Yeah, she wouldn't make it these days. Like, she's lucky she got famous when she did, because I, I think she's got she's no ass. Little, I mean, I think she's kind of lucky it's that true. her dad's a billionaire. It's true. More so than getting famous, but that's just me. Well, she's I, got I'd no rather ass, be though. She wouldn't be famous now. It doesn't. She made the sex tape. It doesn't matter. You odd that trumps everything. I'm just saying, in yeah, when she did it though, it, that mattered because she mattered. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I'm telling you now, the way that society is, and I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but if you drop a sex tape and you're famous, you're good, you're golden. It doesn't okay. matter who. I'm, I'm telling you, that's you're probably right. That's the way we as a society work. I mean, I I think that's the way it should work though, right? So. I agree. <laughs> you, you don't get any complaints from me. So that's what Mike Mike Myers should do. Drop a sex tape, yeah. and he'll come back into our good graces. But on the reverse side, we've got people that have made the, that haven't gotten back in the spot. Like Screech made a sex tape. Fair point. Very fair point. And, and he's he's supposed to be hung like a moose. Uh, yeah, maybe I think it only works for the women. Maybe. Yeah. It's, it's, you know what? This is unfair. Yeah. It's Miss Andrew. <laughs> all right so back to the cat in the hat let's reel it in yep okay reel so paris hilton's in. there cat loses his magical hat uh lawrence tries to get mom home to see what trouble the kids are getting into then conrad calls on the things to help because then he Good. remembers 
that don't help. Yeah, he remembers to do the they they'll only do the opposite. So he calls this, out to them. This which, part is the, bullshit. Which apparently they could hear from miles mm-hmm. away. Yep. Uh, not to help. So they come take they steal Lawrence's car and they come and help and then they pull over mom mom and Lawrence posing as police officers pull over the mom. Um, so you know. Posing as police officers is a felony. Uh, <laughs> well, maybe not in Anvil. Maybe not in Anvil. Uh, the kids get home, and Lawrence catches up to them and threatens that they're in trouble. And then the cat's world has merged entirely within the house. Now their home is a hellscape of MC Asher proportions. Yep. And Lawrence gets swallowed up by the house and the crazy uh, world. And the kids' mission is to close the crate, because that's where the cat's world is uh, coming from. Eventually, they find the crate and manage to close it, and the house gets destroyed, and Lawrence gets shit out of a pipe. <laughs> yeah. I think the best part of this is it's easily the easiest um, scene to realize that they definitely filmed the Dakota Fanning falling into, you know, Spencer Breslin's arms, that they probably filmed that backwards. You think because, so? You know, because she was in his of, arms first, and then and they, they pulled it up, and then they just reversed the video. <laughs> just because okay. he catches he catches her so awkwardly, you know, like so perfectly, but like in an awkward way, I that your hands that. wouldn't naturally be in that position when you're trying to catch someone. It would be if you were holding someone beforehand. Okay. Right. And plus, I don't think they would have tested the idea of lowering her into the arms, you know. Interesting. Seven-year-old. So, yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. But yeah, it was. I love how they tried to make it a dramatic moment. You have to let go for me to close the box. Right, and it just kind of like goes, okay, okay, right. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's. Is it trying to show she needs to let go of control? But it's like, yeah. I. It's a bit of a. It, it's a stretch. It's really it's, a stretch. It sounds like something I would say to make this movie better. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's a stretch because it's to her it's a life or death situation. That's yeah. complete that's that's not the point. You know, it's not right. that's not how she's living her life. It's like her the stake the stakes are never that high for her usually. I mean, it makes perfect sense that she would want to hold on to him and keep control <laughs> in yeah. that sort of situation. So so it feels like there's a lesson being learned or she's learned the lesson now. It's like in order to let in order to to survive, I have to let learn to let go. Like, no, you're in this situation. You're literally talking about like letting go of someone's hand. That's not the lesson you're supposed to be learning. <laughs> right. You're really in this. You're hanging on for dear life. Yeah. And, and the lesson you need to learn is that it's OK to let other people take control of things it's not the same here and yep. it, if that's what they were going for I, they missed the mark real bad yep um then they eventually they find the crate and they manage to close it uh yeah the kids order so the cat uh reveals that his hat was still magic the whole time and doesn't really make a difference nope doesn't at all and then the kids say more or less get the fuck out of our house You've ruined everything. Um, <laughs> then he leaves, and the kids kind of have a heart-to-heart. Uh, apparently, the heart-to-heart proves that they've learned a lesson. So the cat comes back and fixes the house back up, saying that they learned their lesson, and that was all part of the contract after all. 
Again, we don't know what the lesson really is in this movie, um, but apparently it was learned. It, it's it makes you feel like we missed a whole scene, really. Mm-hmm. And it's it's such a cop out this ending. Yeah, it, like we got to wrap this up. So they learned a lesson. What was it? Ah, yeah, figure it out. Officially, according to the movie, the lesson was as we mentioned before, is that you have to learn. Ha- you have to learn responsibility, and, but there's also time for fun. You just have to be able to manage both having fun and having responsibilities. But they don't show that. Nope. No. They just say it. Yep. <laughs> Basically. Right. Because, again, for all we know, at the end of this movie, they could go back to being a control freak and a spoiled brat. Yeah. Um, so then we get a cleaning montage set to Getting Better by Smash Mouth. Easily the worst part of this movie. <laughs> Easily the worst. And this made me, I, and I wrote this in my notes, Beatles song being sung by Smash Mouth makes me blood red mad. <laughs> it, Crazy. Oh, that was kind of like getting a baseball bat to the nuts. <laughs> that puts you into the happy place. Right. right. The, the, uh, what, what's the kid's name? Stephen Anthony Lawrence. <laughs> Beans. Yeah, beans. Beans came into my house, took a bat, and wailed on my nuts with that song. I'm sure he would do that for a price. If you really wanted him to do that. I mean, I'd do it for a price. I mean, $20 is $20, man. Wait, to me or to anybody? To anybody. Okay, so it's not just me. All right. Yeah. So it was 20 bucks. You want to hit me in the the, the balls? It's going to sound terrible. You might not want to do this. But I'll give you twenty bucks if you hit me in the nuts with that bat. <laughs> oh shit! I would have done it for five. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So if Stephen Anthony Lawrence is listening to this podcast, there's forty dollars, sixty dollars on the table for all for you to hit all of us with the baseball bat, Pin, pinata style. I'll even go the pinata style. I'll, you can hang me from the tree. I do not consent to this. <laughs> yeah. well, it's too late. You've already said you do it. <laughs> It was your no, idea. No, I think I think our idea was that we were going to hit other people with baseball well, bats. Well, no, well I. <laughs> okay. I offered Last... my services to hit you with a <laughs> Classic miscommunication. Stephen Anthony, Anthony <laughs> Lawrence, please disregard our last uh, our last note. Um, well, I mean, it would definitely give this podcast some clout. Yeah. Right. Dan Aquino getting hit in the nuts by Stephen Anthony Lawrence. <laughs> Check it out on they called this a movie. <laughs> World star. Oh, that's Barstool now. Oh. Well, for white people, yes. Yeah. Barstool is white people world star. Yeah. Um that so they clean up the house and the cat leaves. And the mom comes back, the house is clean. Lawrence comes in and acts a fool. It's all covered in purple shit, talking about how the kids were doing bad stuff and then the kids just gaslight the shit out of them <laughs> yep <laughs> they and they do a good job with it too yeah i don't know what what you're talking about um then he tries to propose on his way out and he gets kicked out by the mom they have the meet and greet that goes well and that's basically it we got shots of the kids jumping on the, on the couch with their mom so it even seems like she's lightened up a little bit and and a cat goes on off onto the into the sunset, sort of like Mary Poppins off to the next house. 
to bring joy or <laughs> something to other people. Yeah, that's, that's kind of false part. So, <laughs> so does that technically make the cat's hat a bag of holding? Then wrong podcast. N- no, it, it doesn't because he has the crate. Okay. I mean, the crate is the bag of holding. The, the hat is just it's a hat. It yeah, doesn't cause... do anything. <laughs> right? In, in in the movie he switches hats. Like when he becomes the trucker, he has a trucker hat on and yeah. he has a chef hat on, but it never he never pulls anything out of the hat, does he? Uh he does pull those tennis balls out. Oh, okay. Excuse me. <laughs> which, which 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 by the way, you really I, got I, me there, Ant. I looked up and because I knew that Tennis Anyone had to be some kind of reference. And I don't know if there's another reference, but the one that came up was it had something to do with Humphrey Bogart's first role on Broadway or uh, something. I That's can't imagine dive, <laughs> that that was it. I'm like, this can't be it. Mark, man, I think one thing you're going to learn stretch. is there are there's some things are just th- some things. I don't think the, you give these writers too much credit. <laughs> yeah. That they would act that like that some of these lines are gonna be references to things. Yeah. yeah. No. Sometimes no, sure. I I think tennis anyone is just more or less a is a, a saying, saying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what if what if Bo Welch is listening to our podcast <laughs> and he says they found it? Someone, someone, someone got well, the reference. I finally got it. Would it be him or would it be the uh, the three guys that wrote Europe Euro Trip? Alec Berg, Jeff Schaefer, and David Mandel, if you're listening, is Tennis Anyone a reference to Humphrey Bogart's first Broadway performance? Yeah. Is it the name of the play? No, no, no. I, I, uh, I searched Tennis Anyone on Google, and it popped up, and it's apparently his only line in his first ever Broadway play. Yeah, was, Mark. I... Was that like page six on Google? <laughs> no, no, it was <laughs> right there at the top, huh? Yeah, it was... Uh... Let's see. This is yeah, this is the one click, thing. If you click tennis any tennis comma anyone in quote investigator, which is the second thing that popped up on my Google. What made you look that. that up, Mark? I don't know, because I was thinking it's. I was wondering if it was some stupid reference from that time period. You know that. You know. You're they, out there, man. man this I'm is what I like about Mark. He I'm always finds a way to top himself. It's yeah, great. I like from that scene. I looked up Canadian doubles. <laughs> right, because he says let's anyone for Canadian doubles, right, or something yeah. along those lines. Yeah, because IMDb on the trivia is like at the end of the movie, Mike Myers' character the cat says Canadian doubles. Mike Myers is Canadian. I was like, <laughs> I don't think that's the reason why he says Canadian doubles. Yeah, who knows with this movie? He says he just spouts random bullshit it's, throughout this entire it thing. It's very. It's very the Grinch. It really is. Wait, 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 it's very the Grinch. Like Jim Carrey's the Grinch. He's it's so similar. much better. I, I'm not saying he's not better. I hate that fucking movie too. But I'm there's there's a scatological sort of energy to both performances, and I think Jim Carrey's performance created the Cat in the Hat in that way. But to me it's comparing apples and oranges because that's jim carrey's shtick he's always been high energy slapstick where mike myers is is not that he he does the voices he's a little bit more reserved in his comedy he not not reserved but he's he's not an action 
comedy type of person. You know, he's not physical comedy where Jim Carrey is more physical and the cat in the hat called for physical comedy. And it's, that's just not Mike Myers bag, baby. See what you did there. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that. Well, I'm saying that Jim Carrey's performance is, is very hateable, but you know, <laughs> man, this is, this is really uh, grinding but, my gears, Ant. But I'm not, I'm just saying that that movie informed this movie. Yes. They're like, this worked in this movie. Let's do it again in this movie. Cause like, but, he, cause he, cause he jumps around from costume to costume in the movie. And at one point, he's like, he's he's wearing the Ron Howard hat and he's jumping right. off to something else. That's very similar to what Mike Myers does here. You know, he's in like uh, a Calypso outfit and then he's right. jumping to the guy like the mechanic outfit and then all of a sudden he's two guys on the infomercial. You know, and it's all it's just kind of re- it's all kind of references to things. I, I feel like this is you. You remember. Now, kids are not going to remember this. VHS tapes. Yeah. So when you copied yes. a VHS tape from the original, the quality wasn't as good. It's also the multiplicity rule. <laughs> right. <Yes. laughs> so, so I feel as if the cat in the hat was like the 15th copy of the Grinch. Okay. Right. So it's just you got a really bad copy of a Dr. It's, Seuss character. It's like if Michael Keaton cloned number four. Right. Man, yeah. that right. would be terrible. If I re- if I remember, was he the like the the kid? He was the, co- he was the copy of the copy. Okay, okay. So yeah, so now now you're getting into uh, like incest law almost. Yeah, sure. Right, because then you're you're getting a bad seed from there. <laughs> There's so, probably a time cop rule in there somewhere. We reference Time Cop far too much on this podcast. It's a great movie. It Why is. would we reference? It's it's one of our better ones. Yeah. It's it's not a great movie though. Uh, uh, so what would you guys do to make this movie better? Uh, I would definitely give a discernible lesson and make sure that the audience really comes away with that that the characters have grown. Um, I would eliminate a lot of other people in this movie. I'd probably eliminate Sean Hayes. He's absolutely terrible, and I hate him. So you you could cut him off, right? You you can even just say at the beginning, you know, oh I'm having a big party. The mom's I'm having a big party at this at the house. I need this to be clean. Well done, perfect. Don't need the boss. We don't need to know the boss is a germaphobe. Gone. You keep Alec Baldwin the same. You don't make him a fat slob. It's stupid. It doesn't add anything to the plot. And uh, to to me. The cat in the hat is the villain in this movie. So I would like to have maybe seen Sally and Conrad kind of team up to stop the cat in a more, instead of just like sending him away, like, oh man, like the cat's running wild. We need to put aside our differences to stop this feisty feline. And then they just kind (laughs) of, they kind of go and I I don't know how they would stop him, but maybe they would, maybe they could kind of trick him into doing the opposite of what he's meant to do. You know what I'm saying? Like they pull an Aladdin on the genie with their the first wish. Mm-hmm. So maybe they just kind of they they learn to outsmart him. So you you basically have it where uh, Sally and Conrad the the cat comes in. They're trying to get him to stop, but they're one's the control freak. One is just an asshat, and they they keep squabbling over how to do it, how to do it. 
and the entire time the cat's ruining the house. It's getting worse and worse. And then finally they realize if we work together, we put aside our differences, we're smart enough to out, you know, outsmart the cat in the hat. And then, you know, that happens. And it turns out the cat was trying to do that all along. Wink. <laughs> it's kind of like the guy that was going around fucking chickens or in South Park. And it was just all to teach <laughs> oh. Barb Brady how to read. <laughs> the, the scholastic uh, bookmobile. <laughs> this was my plan all along. <laughs> Oh my god, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, the uh yeah, the one thing in in Dan's suggestion, um, you know, I still swear the uh the germophobe thing is another one of those moments like in Sandlot three where something was in the movie just for a joke later in the movie. Like in Sandlot three, they said it in nineteen seventy six just to have that damn Gerald Ford Jimmy Carter joke. In this movie, they do the germaphobe thing just for that scene at the end when the guy almost shakes his hand, you know, and he goes, ah, you almost got me, you know. That was the whole reason, like, somebody wrote that joke at some point in the writing and was like, all right, we have to tie this in. Are we going to? Okay. He's a germaphobe. That's it. Howie Mandel's hot right now, right? Right now? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was on America's Got Talent, right? Yeah. So. Deal or no deal. Deal, 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 deal. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, No, 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 no. Wasn't it, uh, uh, let's make a deal? No, it's deal or no deal. The one with the the suitcases. The The suitcases, right. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Mark, how Uh, would you make this better? Um, short of just, uh, getting a whole different actor to do the cat. (laughs) Um. That's a good start. It's changed that. Um, I would have made it a lot more, uh, I take a lot of what Dan said. I would have made it a lot more focused on the kid thing. Like, you don't really need to know, you know, Alec Baldwin's character or Sean Hayes' character. Just have it on. The mother is this very important thing. She needs them to be good and keep the house clean and don't bother the babysitter. I'm going to work. And then, you know, proceed to have the hijinks ensue at that point. And they learn their lesson, blah, blah, blah. Adding all this stuff in the peripheral... Um, the only one that really could make any sense in even my version of it is the whole where uh, Sally learns the lesson by the fact that the way she's acting is actually driving her away. It's not making people want to be her friend. You know, it's making sure. people not want to be her friend. And maybe that's part of the lesson she learns. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's the only thing that really happens outside of the house in this movie that you could coincide with. Maybe she looks outside the window in my thing and sees them all going into the person's house for a party, you know, rather than being at the party. Sure. But yeah, essentially I would have just confined it to the house and just had, had a little bit with a better cat, um, you know, and suited to maybe gone a little bit more into the crazy, you know, uh, trippy world that the cat's from, you know, maybe they got to chase the things back there for something, you know, and play with that. Then all those scenes that you don't need, with characters you don't need, um, you know, make it a little more cat in a hat whimsical, to use a word Dan uses. Real quick, to, yeah. uh, I'll pose this question to Mark and Anthony, because I, I, I to agree, getting rid of Mike Myers as the cat would be, I keep wanting to say Mark Myers, 
The opposite happens all the time to me. All right. So who would you have cast as the cat in the hat? 2000. I have my answer. I just want to see what you guys think. I, uh, to be honest with you, I don't think Mike Myers is the problem. I don't think his performance is good. I just think they needed to write the cat to his, to suit his um, sensibilities. I think part of the problem here is that, and it it does tie in. I don't want to keep banging the drum of my dislike for how the Grinch stole Christmas because that's not the movie we're talking about. But one of the reasons why I don't like that movie is because how unlikable every person in that movie is to the point where the Grinch is the good guy in that movie. And it's kind of the exact opposite of the source material. Like, mm. I root for the Grinch in that fucking movie. I dislike Jim Carrey in that movie, but I dislike the Who's even more. Okay. Um, it, and but I think that's what movie, they want. It, but in this movie, it's uh, the same. It's like, the the cat is annoying, and I don't like any of the characters either. So I think a, a more subdued cat... Like, one of the problems is that I don't 100%... Cat in the Hat is probably like 30 pages long. I don't even know how long it is. Yeah, it's not long at all. And I'm assuming, I'm going on the assumption that this is a pretty faithful adaptation of it. From what I remember, it's a rainy day, the cat comes, he destroys the house. I guess there's some learned lesson in that. And then he comes by and he fixes the house again. I think more or less it's the exact same plot. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know if the, the, the zaniness of this cat is working for me. I think that's, it's just, I find it grating. Yeah. It's, it's, it's too over the top where it's, it's to the point where it's really just loud noises. It's Mm -hmm. what can I say? I I need to make noise at all times in this movie. Whenever I'm on the, on the screen, I need to be saying something or yelling something or moving like, you know, just, just moving around for no reason, jumping around He's yeah, he's there's no direction. That's yeah. it, it's kind of like the director just told him just go go nuts yeah. and see what happens. But, you know, to me, this seems like it would have been better suited for like Adam Sandler. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I a like a bit more wacky. Yeah, I guess I guess I could see I could see yeah, it. It, it. The problem is I can't think outside of those two and maybe like an Eddie Murphy. Anybody from 2003 that I would put in this, you know, movie. Right. You know, more modern. I, for some reason, I may be completely off base here. When you asked that question, one of the first things that popped in my head was like, huh, I'd like to see Zach Galifianakis's, you know, take on the cat. You know. He he wasn't around then. No, no, no. That's why. But yeah, that's why I meant. That's why. That's why when I said 2003, like I. Like his name was the first thing that popped in my head for some odd reason, but I'm like, oh no, we have to go back then. But yeah, short of it being Eddie Murphy, you know, like mm-hmm. who, like who is, you know, without having to go through an actor list, like you know, who would have been enough for this movie? As Ant we mentioned earlier, it was a tentpole movie, mm-hmm. you know. It I'll, I'll tell you just... some names who were considered. Vince uh, Vaughn. Tim Allen was originally cast in the yeah. title Wow. No. Um, I think it was going to be a very different movie yeah. with that. Um, let's see. There's a few others. Billy Bob Thornton was considered for the role of Lawrence Quinn. Oh, Dwayne okay. The Rock Johnson considered for the role of Cat in the Hat. <sighs> That's not good. 
No. Uh, Rick Moranis was considered for the role of Cat in the Hat. Martin Short considered for the role of Cat in the Hat. I could see Martin Short. David Kickner was considered for the role of Cat in the Hat. Jason Alexander considered for the role of Cat in the Hat. Others in this. John Stamos considered for the role of Hank Humberfloop. Mm. Bruce Dern considered for the role of Hank Humberfloop. Uma Thurman considered for the role of Joan Walden. Don Johnson Larry for Lawrence Larry Quinn. Albert Finney for Larry Quinn. Yeah. I don't really like any of these choices. I, w- I wonder how much is one of those things that it's like, um, you know, I forget where I read it or saw it somewhere that, you know, when you're going in for casting decisions, you go, all right, who are the people that would be, like, ridiculous for us to get for this? Yeah. Like, that would never say yes, but let's ask them anyway. You know, yeah, right. a, few, a few of those names go on that list. And yeah. Then the rest um, of, and then the rest of them are, all right, who can make us money sure. if we can't get, you know, choices one through three? Right. Yeah. I'm going to assume that a lot of those were barely really considered. Yeah. Uh, but I, Tim, I, Allen, Tim Allen was in, in the role originally, and the scheduling conflict at the Santa Claus 2 made him bow out. Probably made a better choice. Yeah. Uh, the 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 only two names on that list that make me think they were con- that maybe the writers or could have been considering it earlier than 2003 would have been a movie with Don Johnson and Martin Short in it. You know what I would yeah. I would watch I would watch Cat in the Hat with Nicolas Cage in the fr- in as the Cat in the Hat. That's not bad. I'd watch. I'd watch, I'd watch I'd Nick watch, Cage do anything. I'd watch a, a cinematic universe where there are nine Cat in the Hat movies, all of them starring Nicolas Cage. That'd be hilarious. Into and like he does verse. a different accent and role. He's like a different cat every time. I agree with Mark. I'd watch almost anything with Nick Cage but, now. Maybe, but what would you do to make the movie better, Ant? Um, uh, sort of what I said a little bit earlier as I would have, I would make the cat a little more subdued, kind of um just rewrite it for mike myers sensibilities i don't know Mm -hmm. exactly what that is but it's not loud it's not obnoxious it's not these kind of scatological um cutaway uh jokes where like almost like family guy where it's just oh this is a reference oh do you get it it's like that infomercial from the 80s now we're gonna cut to this and now we're gonna cut to this it's just like Maybe something a little more. Maybe he's maybe he's a little more on their side. I don't know. I don't like I said. I don't like if I'm assuming this is pretty close to the source material, but I don't remember him. Is he the villain in the book? Is there a villain in the book? Is there no. more thing one and thing two that just kind of go nut? You know, maybe thing one, maybe thing one and thing two become like the antagonists in, in this movie. Maybe yeah, they have to kind of go. Maybe out they run them. amok and they gotta. Uh, we gotta catch them or something like that. I'd anim- I turn this into an animated film. I yeah. wouldn't do this live action. Um, but maybe maybe it's that. Maybe cat. Maybe the cat in the hat is a is a better character if it's not the standing antagonist. You know. Yeah. So yeah, like maybe they accidentally let out thing one and thing two, mm-hmm. right? Like in by you know Conrad opens the the. the the box and thing one thing to ex- escape into the town and cause havoc and the cat's like oh we got to get them back they could do a lot of damage and so on and so forth mm-hmm. yeah that's not bad nope i wouldn't uh, watch it but <laughs> maybe i'm giving the writers too much credit you always i always do but i am proud of them that they didn't make a 
7 reference when the box shows up. Just, you know, just say, what's in the box? Sort I of. should have. Offshoot. You know, because it would have been way too dark for the rest of the movie. All the adults in the audience would be like, oh, oh. <laughs> I'll explain <laughs> it to when you're, you're older, Timmy. What was that joke? No, it meant nothing. It's, mm. yeah. <laughs> the, there's one good, if the people who write these movies or direct these movies ever listen to this podcast, and that's a long shot, they must love Mark. Because Mark always says nice things about these people. <laughs> like, oh, I like their cinematography. Work. I like the, that they did this. I like they did that. And then Anthony and I are over here. That fucking sucked. <laughs> what were they doing? But Mark, Mark's a really nice guy. Yeah. Except Sandlot. Well, that's that understandable. Movie. That's understandable. Um, I guess I, that's... Uh, I think we've talked the cat in the hat to death. Yes. Um, not going to make a nine lives joke there. Uh, we're just going to hey. move on. Um, but do you guys have any last words on the cat in the hat before we do our plugs? Or no? No, I think we've, we've said our piece. We've left it all out on the field. Yep. Okay. We gave, we gave it 110. percent Yep. So we took a we took it one scene at a time. Yep. <laughs> I mean, we 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 tried our best, and that's all we all we can do. You guys got any pluggables? Uh, my my Twitter dequino122. Uh, find me on there. I don't make any cat in the hat jokes. Yet. Uh, yet. Maybe I should just turn my Twitter into that. Uh, you could also follow our D and D podcast account on there at Stranger Damies. You should follow our Instagram as well. You could also follow our main da- the main Damie Instagram as well. I know Ant does a lot of the posting for that. So follow us on there. Follow us on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. Follow our D&D podcast on Twitter. And that's all I have. Mark, take it yeah. away. Yeah, so Stranger Damies, as I always mention, um, we posted our episode yesterday, episode 76. Um you know, we're now on video. We're on YouTube. Uh, for now, we have the the shortened link of tinyurl.com slash strangerdamies. Um, that should that should work. Um, hopefully, at some point, we get enough subscribers on there that we can get to the vanity URL and just make it a lot easier for people to find uh, the content. Uh, but, yeah, we just finished up our first video session. Uh, the three episodes was the first time we ever did video. Um, so we make one major change for the next set of videos where you don't have to stare at the side of my face for an entire, uh, three to four hours of video. Um, so that works. Um, and also, um, if you do want to follow me on Twitter outside of, you know, Stranger Damies or anything like that, I am at off the mark tweet. Um, I am now currently trying to get every parody account to former baseball players to get mad at me. So I've already started with Frank Thomas, and it's a new passion of mine that I think I'm going to take on for the rest of the summer. It's definitely a worthy project. Yep. All right. Yeah. Uh, you could find they, this. This is They Call This a Movie. You can find us at theycallthismovie.podbean.com. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Main Damey. Um, they Call This a Movie is on available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, basically anywhere you could find podcasts, you could find us. Um, we are also on Geek Vibes Nation. Their website is gvnation.com, and we will be on their podcast uh, stream as well. So they do 
uh, at least one episode per day. They've got different shows for different uh, different interests. They've got comics. They've got basketball. They've got us. They've got other movie podcasts. They've got a lot of great stuff. You can just go look for Geek Vibes Nation on any podcast streaming app. They should come right up. Or the main website is chibination.com. Our main website is themaindamey.com where we do a whole bunch of uh, reviews and we we kind of have been a hub for all our other shows. Mark's other show, the Game Vault podcast, where he does the uh, video game podcast, um, as well as Stranger Damies. Um, and I think that's about it. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you want to give us a movie you want to watch, you could hit us up on Twitter. We're the most active there, I think. But you could also hit us up at themaindamey at gmail.com. That's our website. That's our uh, email and uh that's that's all the ways you can get in contact with us so uh for mark myers and dan aquino this is anthony del vecchio telling director bo welch to go fuck himself